Hey everyone, it's me. Just like in a prior episode, we are going to be talking through miscarriage today in a lot of detail. So if that's not something that you're in a good spot to listen to or might be triggering for you, then we will see you at a later episode and you can stop here. Thanks. Welcome back to another episode of the Mama To Be Honest podcast. My name is Jenea. This is episode 11. I'm back. How are you guys? How's everybody doing? It's been a couple weeks. Thank you for the break. I had to take a much needed break and I think the episode title is a little bit of a giveaway, but We're going to get a little real today. Anyway, it is a Thursday afternoon. I took today off for a couple of reasons. I I volunteered at my kid's daycare today for daycare volunteer day for a few hours in the morning. So that was really fun. (laughs) And it's always fun to volunteer at my kid's daycare because they they kind of are like, what are you doing here? (laughs) So they don't know whether to you know, play with their friends or come hang out with mom, but I'm pretty much there to help with whatever the teachers need. If they need to organize stuff, clean stuff, get some arts and crafts ready for the kids. So I'm just there to be a helper and it was so much fun. So I took today off of work to go to daycare volunteer day, but I also just needed a day to myself to get some things done around the house and run a couple of errands too. So it has been a nice, relaxing Thursday. I've got some time, and I really it was really just on my heart to get today's podcast episode recorded because also this weekend I'm, I'm a little bit busy. My husband and I are celebrating our sixth wedding anniversary tomorrow, which is really exciting. So our anniversary is June 9th. It has been six years since we've been married, and it's kind of a surreal thought. It's <laughs> six years has flown, but it also feels like we've been married for longer than that. I feel like many married people can probably relate to that. It's just been a wild ride. And two kids later, we are living life and loving life and just growing more deeply and differently in love with each other and learning more about each other. I think that's something I, I never really expected, I, <laughs> which is kind of weird to say, but you really, you really continue to get to know your partner, your husband, your wife, as you continue to live life with them and experience new things together with them and be co-accountable for things together. So it's really been he is just the most wonderful person and I'm so lucky to have him as my husband and to live life with him. (laughs) So tomorrow we're just going on a nice romantic dinner date and hopefully we'll be able to get off of work a little early and um, spend, spend a little bit of the afternoon together too. But my mother-in-law is coming over tomorrow to watch the kids so we can have a night out together and I'm just really looking forward to it. 
I'm trying to think of any other personal updates I have. <laughs> Maybe, what am I watching these days? <laughs> Maybe that's interesting. So I am really into this show called Yellow Jackets. I don't, <laughs> every time I ask if someone watches the show, the, the answer is usually no. Luckily, one of my, my best friends is <laughs> is also as obsessed with the show as I am. <laughs> so the second season came out recently and I'm I'm slowly making my way through the second season. I'm trying my best to like savor each episode and really pay attention and not be on my phone <laughs> because the show is so good. I'm never, I am not usually into like sci-fi or spiritual demonic type of shows. This definitely has some undertones, but I think the fact that it's more of like a mystery type of show is why I love it so much. I am I am a total murder mystery type of gal. <laughs> the the only shows I watch outside of this one are like reruns of Law and Order SVU or Law and Order and mystery documentaries <laughs> on Netflix. So this has been a nice change of pace. So if you haven't checked out Yellow Jackets, I highly recommend you check it out. It's about this this uh, team of girls who play on a soccer team together in the 90s and they crash in this remote forest in the Canadian wilderness and it's about how some of them made it out alive and it kind of goes back and forth between the time that they crashed and present day and so you're kind of piecing things together but it is really interesting and it's very like Lord of the Flies-esque, if you are familiar with that that plot. So really interesting. So if you're into stuff like that, check it out. It's, it's, a, it's a good show. I have been noticeably absent or at least not as busy on the socials recently. And I shared on my Instagram earlier this week kind of the reason why and we have just been going through um, a pretty rough last few weeks. So I um, I recently miscarried. I was about six weeks pregnant, or at least that's how long I was measuring. So just having to go through that has been really, really tough. And I think the fact that it was so tough caught me by surprise and, and really made it that much worse. I recorded an episode about miscarriage and, and trying to conceive and, and pregnancy loss early on, probably, I think it was episode two or three, but just going into like my miscarriage experience and why I think it would happen again. <laughs> it's so interesting because I I was right. It happened again. But I also talked about, I talked about how, why I think it I wouldn't like why I was expecting it, but in, in a more of a confident way, like, oh, I, I know what to expect. I know kind of the mental, physical piece of what to expect from miscarriage. I've been through it three times already. So when the, when the day comes where it happens again, I think I'm going to, I'm really going to be able to brush it off and, and handle it like a champ. And I think, I think I went into that that thought, that thought process with confidence. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but just the way that this 
fourth pregnancy loss had and is still hitting me really it really kind of knocked the wind out of me and and threw something at me that I really didn't expect to it's definitely different than the prior three and I'm, I'm not saying that miscarriage gets any easier clearly it does not because I'm going through it right now it is much different than the prior three that I've had and I was when I shared earlier this week you know kind of my thoughts around that I am definitely in a better place than I was at that at that moment but it, it's it's definitely dragging on a bit in terms of just the, the mental drain and physically too physically it's been a little bit different this time around so today I want to spend the time just kind of talking talking about my experience and you know I always go back and forth on t- you know talking about things that are so personal to me but when it comes to pregnancy loss I feel like the more I talk about it, not only does it help me, like it really, really helps me to talk about it and to to put my really dark and sad thoughts out loud and, and talk through them and talk through my thoughts and talk through my logic and my my non-logic and just just putting putting thoughts into words has is really cathartic for me. More importantly, I, I feel like it helps it helps other people because it is a very miscarriage and present pregnancy loss is still taboo. Like point blank. It's, it's still taboo. It sucks that it's still taboo. So the fact that it helps me and the fact that it, it, you know, maybe my, my experiences or, or my testimonies as well as, as those of other women can help others like, if it it's it's not uncomfortable for me to talk about but even if it was i feel so compelled to just share my experience and to normalize it because it really is it is a shitty thing to go through and i don't i i i hate feeling isolated or alone or ashamed of these experiences and so i f- i feel like talking about them and normalizing them will only make that lessen or, or diminish in terms of the shame or the the lack of normalcy. Every time I read about someone's miscarriage experience, I'm like, there's someone out there going through the exact same thing. There are hundreds and thousands of other women that have gone through the exact same thing. I feel very vulnerable because I'm still, you know, kind of, it's come, it's coming and going in waves in my, my thoughts and my feelings, but I, I really feel compelled to talk about it now while I'm still kind of going through, you know, the midst of, of this fourth pregnancy loss. I think that makes it that more meaningful. So I want to start with, I I guess, just from the beginning of, of this pregnancy loss. So I got my birth control taken out in January. My husband and I are very set on having a third baby we we want to continue to grow our family and we we didn't we're not really we hadn't really set a time limit on it or anything we we are not just like okay we want to be pregnant by this day and this time but I got my birth control taken out in January and the reason I did is because I just kind of assumed that my body was going to take some time to you know re-regulate itself and 
get back to normal and get back onto my cycles and start understanding my cycles again. It's really a lot of work to to understand and, and track and track your cycles. There are a lot of good apps out there that I use. I use the Flow app to to track my cycles and to kind of understand and, and predict when when I ovulate, how long my cycles are. That app has really been really been helpful for me. But again, we didn't we didn't really go into it saying like oh, we want to be pregnant by this date or this month and so we're gonna we're gonna do this no I, I really just wanted to get my my body off of birth control and it back into like a regulated state where I'm you know not relying on birth control so we didn't really have you know an idea of when we wanted to get pregnant we just were set on the fact that we did so and we still do so you know we we were kind of set on you know if it happens at any time, that's great. But we're also fully expecting it to take a while because you never know. And um, I'm also getting older. I'm I'm 31. So as you kind of near, you know, get into your 30s, it's generally like I, I'm expecting to wait to wait longer with every with every next baby that that I um, that I have hopefully. So. Going into this with with no with you know no expectations on, on timing, but we were we were pretty set on getting getting the process started at least. So I got my birth control taken out earlier this year, started tracking my cycles, getting to know my body again, and I had I think I had three full cycles before becoming pregnant. I remember the <laughs> it's so funny when you start hyper tracking tracking or hyper fixating on your cycles, you always know like what what your OB is going to ask you is like what's the first day of your last period. So the first day of my last period before com- becoming pregnant was early April, so it was like April 5th or something. And my ovulation window that happened after that period I became pregnant and I didn't know, I didn't know. There's always like that, that two week, three week waiting, waiting period of knowing if you've conceived or if you're, you know, if you've got a positive pregnancy test, but I didn't even, I didn't even know I was pregnant until right around my birthday. So it was my birthday week when I had realized, oh, I think I think I'm late. I think I'm late on my period. And my cycles historically and even after be- getting off of birth control this time around, my cycles have historically been very long, like on the longer end. So on the 31, 32 day range, I'm definitely not a 28 day cycle girly (laughs) my cycles tend to be very long so it was around like the six five six week mark after my last period ended that I was like oh I actually I think I'm late let me check my app my app indeed said that I was late and so it was around my birthday that took a pregnancy test and it was positive and I did start feeling you know, those early pregnancy symptoms, I felt really, really bloated. I didn't have any kind of nausea yet, but I was really tired, really bloated. I would get, I would get some, um, some, some sensitivity in my breasts. And so I was like, okay, uh, if it walks like a duck and it's quacking like a duck, then I'm pregnant. And so it was right around my birthday that we found out that I was pregnant. And so 
I had measured how long I might have been pregnant. I think around that time I was I was um, five or six weeks pregnant, and so got the prenatal appointment scheduled. And I don't know how it is for other medical providers or health providers, but your first prenatal appointment or your first ultrasound ultrasound isn't usually until after after the six week mark. And so mine was scheduled for around the seven week mark. They got me in pretty quickly. And so my husband and I were gearing up for our first ultrasound appointment. And I think the part that makes me a little bit sad is we also had our daughter with us that day. So Jade was with us for our first prenatal appointment and because she was sick and we couldn't, um, we, we couldn't take her to school. And so we got to the first appointment really excited. I had no signs at that point, you know, from the time we had found out that we were pregnant up until the prenatal appointment, I had no signs of miscarriage, no pain, just a lot of the traditional pregnancy symptoms, no nausea yet, but it would, it would start to pick up but no spotting, no, no severe pain, nothing that indicated that uh, there was, there was a miscarriage. And so I went to our prenatal appointment. My husband was with me, Jade was with me and they did that early on. They do um, what's called a transvaginal ultrasound. So instead of putting the jelly on your belly, (laughs) they kind of probe probe your insides with like uh, an ultrasound probe inside your vagina to get a good look at your uterus to see uh, to see what's going on and to confirm if there's if there's a pregnancy there and so you know they ask questions on how long how long how far along did I think I was when was the last um, the first day of my last period just so they could get a good estimate on gestational age. Asked all the questions, the ultrasound started, and once they got the probe inside of me, there was nothing there. So it was just a, and it's always so hard. I always don't know what to expect when I see these things. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. So I went into it thinking like, okay, let's, you know, let's find the little nugget. Let's find the little bean guy in there. And it was just a dark circle. And the first thing that the, um, OB asked me, she's, my OB asked me is, are you like, do you have generally like very long cycles or are you sure, how sure are you on your, um, on your, on your period dates? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've been tracking it, but I do tend to have longer cycles. And so she was like that, that might explain it because right now I don't see, you know, I, I, I don't see any embryo. I don't see a yolk sac. I see a little faint line that might show that there's a yolk sac forming or a fetal pole forming, but there's there's nothing there's nothing here clearly except for a gestational sac. So it could just be very very early on. So I you know no need to worry. There's you know I I based on everything that you've told me, it sounds like things are progressing. But you I think you might be on the earlier side, maybe around six weeks which was interesting to me because I feel like I had kind of known my cycles to a T, but at the same time, I don't want to over-engineer my thoughts and, you know, trust, you know, trust the doctor and, and trust their, trust their expertise. But once we, you know, once, once I, once I heard that, once I saw that, it, it really kind of just go, started going downhill from there, you know, in terms of my, my thoughts and just kind of spiraling on the inside. So after, 
after the ultrasound was done, she said, you know, we're going to, we're going to repeat the ultrasound in a week because we can't, we can't rule out an unviable pregnancy or that, that there's an abnormal pregnancy growing. She says she doesn't see any signs of an ectopic pregnancy. So that's all, that was also something that she had, she had looked at and screened for because there was no, there was nothing in the gestational sac. So it was just at that point, an empty gestational sac. And she had thought that maybe it was a bit on the earlier end and that the next time that, that I come back, so a week later, that we would see a fetal pole and a yolk sac, which um, is essentially like the, the pre-placenta or what supplies the embryo with, um, with all the important stuff until the placenta takes over. So after leaving that appointment, I, <laughs> I, I always kind of try my best to not freak out in front of my husband, but I was like dying on the inside. I was really just like, oh gosh, like I already know myself. I'm going to consult Dr. Google and see (laughs) what other women have been through. Just, just seeking answers to something I have no control over. And even now I'm, I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, what did I do wrong? And, you know, at that point there was no confirmed miscarriage, but the week between that ultrasound and the follow-up ultrasound just crawled. As you can imagine, if you are someone that does not like not being in control or not knowing outcomes or treading life with uncertainty, it, it was just the excruciating week. I think that I handled it as best as I could and was really open with my husband after kind of having that solo time to myself. But the week in between those two ultrasounds was really, really hard because all I'm thinking about is whether there's a miscarriage happening or if there there will be a miscarriage between the time I go back to the doctor. But I, I think what, I, I don't know if it was the right approach for me, but I, I really kind of just started preparing myself for, for bad news, just so that, you know, the actual news, if I had gotten too hopeful, wouldn't, wouldn't land as hard. So the week, the week in between my, my second ultrasound and my, and my first was just a lot of preparing for what what was going to happen and, and what ultimately happened. So I kind of had come to my own conclusion, and I think I I think I came to the right one. And there's really no way to know for sure, but I had come to the conclusion after a very long week that it's you know just it just is a pregnancy that didn't form correctly, and my body is just not recognizing that. But I, I would go back and forth though during during that week of, well, I'm I'm experiencing symptoms and I was experiencing crazy symptoms. The nausea only got worse. The nausea picked up after that appointment and it only got worse, it got worse. And I'm just like, man, if this nausea is picking up, then I've it's got to be a viable pregnancy. Like there can't be there can't be nothing there. And I'm just like sick all day, every day. And it wouldn't let up. It wasn't even just morning sickness. It was 
afternoon, mid-afternoon, late night, just <laughs> feeling so miserable uh, and nauseous. And so I would kind of go back and forth between like, oh, like maybe there, maybe I should be more hopeful than I'm being or, you know, with what, with what I had been researching, um, particularly around like a blighted ovum where your body is essentially just growing a pregnancy where an embryo has not grown. So in <laughs> in the many articles I <laughs> have read during these past few weeks, I learned that your body could essentially fertilize an egg at at the point of conception and your and it implants into the uterus, but that that fertilized egg never grows into an embryo, despite the fact that a gestational sac grows, a placenta grows, but it's not supplying anything. And your body is just kind of waiting to catch up with itself. And and so that's that's kind of what I I was preparing myself for. While also, you know, going back and forth between the fact that it it like some like it it very well could be that nothing is wrong. And so we had got to the following week and this was last week and we had our follow-up ultrasound. And I think what had given me a little hope while I was still kind of expecting the worst was that I had experienced no bleeding. I was there was no bleeding. There wasn't any severe cramping or pain or or signs of miscarriage leading up to the second ultrasound. And so part of me was hoping that I would miscarry in that week, you know, between the first and the second ultrasound, but but nothing had happened. And so I I went into the second ultrasound being like, yeah, nothing nothing's happened. It's kind of updating updating my OB on on the, the prior week. And she was like, yeah, let's, let's take a look. I, I'm, you know, I kind of fully expect that we'll see, we'll see something there, especially if your nausea has been picking up and, you know, it hasn't let up and you haven't had any other, any other symptoms that indicate a miscarriage has happened. And so she performed the ultrasound again. She's got out, she got out the probe and when the image got up onto, um, onto the machine, I, I just kind of saw from there that nothing had changed. So it was still, it was still black. Nothing was there. Nothing had progressed. She measured the gestational sac compared to the week before and the size of the sac had not changed, which is also an indicator that the pregnancy has failed. Everything should be growing at this, like, you know, days and weeks it, between one week and the other, there should be growth. And there was, there was zero growth. Nothing had changed. It was just a gestational sac that was measuring at about six weeks. Uh, there was no embryo, no fetal pole, no yolk sac. It was just a black sac. And at that point I just felt like, well, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't shocking to me and it, it's, it still isn't shocking to me, but it was, it was just like really disappointing. And I think just so frustrating because I was so miserable, like miserably nauseous. And so it kind of just felt like my body is making me suffer for nothing. Like this, it's like, this is pointless. Like this is stupid. This feels so unfair that I'm just kind of like having to carry around, 
a a failed pregnancy like carry around failure and I think that's that's that is still kind of what's sticking with me and I want to get out of that mindset so bad because it's not anything of like it's no reflection of the things that like things that I have done or anything that I did it's just something that happens when you're trying to get pregnant and I, just the the fact that it has such such a an impact to your body is kind of, I think what made me angry after that point so from there I was like okay uh what what are my what are my options because like the last thing like I was just set set at that time the last thing I want to do is just continue to feel this way continue to feel like there's you know there's there is no successful pregnancy inside of me and I don't want this feeling anymore and I want to like I want to be reset I want to be able to know that we can try again eventually and so the fact that my body wasn't triggering itself to let go or miscarry was was really what what angered and what angers me and so my doctor then kind of gave me okay here are the options you have there's expectant management which is what i just described so waiting for your body to do what it's going to do waiting for your body to recognize that you're not pregnant and miscarry on its own the risks in that you don't know how long that's going to be i didn't know how long that's going to be the fact that there was there like was and were no signs of it kind of knowing that anything has happened was really unbearable for me and I was like that's not that's not the option I'm picking but the other two options weren't as <laughs> like weren't attractive to me either so there's the medication route so there's you know managing managing your miscarriage at home with medication so it's um, a, a blend a blend of medications that stops the pregnancy from growing, even though that wasn't really something that I needed to do. And then there's another medication that softens your cervix and um, pretty much triggers it to expel the, the pregnancy. Um, and you can can manage manage that at home. The third option was a, um, a surgical method. So the dilation and curatage method. Basically, uh, it's the most invasive method, but it's also the most efficient method. So your OBGYN would, you know, soften my cervix and then, you know, manage the miscarriage with, um, with the tools that they have. It, it would take around five or 10 minutes to do. So really efficient, really kind of like if you want to get it over with, that's, that's, that's the option that you can, can go with. But in one of my prior miscarriages, I I did have a DNC, and you know these are all really personal choices. There's I don't I don't think there's a wrong choice, but in 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 the research that I have done for myself, um, having multiple DNCs can pose a risk to future fertility, and so you know I don't I don't know just how data backed that is or you know, to what extent that is true, but that was kind of the, the basis of my decision to pursue the uh, medical management at home. Um, and the fact that my pregnancy hadn't, 
progressed past six weeks, at least it's what it looked like on the screen, means that there, there, it wouldn't be as painful as some women's experiences with, with medically managing mis- miscarriage at home. But that's still kind of, it still, it still was a sucky decision to make because all three of those decisions I didn't want to have to make. And the fact that I had to make that choice between the three options also angered me a bit because it's kind of one of those things where I'm, I'm trying so hard to have the best outcome and the outcome that I didn't want is happening. And now I have to like think through how I want to push past this outcome. And it really just sucked to have to think through all the options. And each option has a risk. But the longer I wait, the longer I wait to kind of carry around a failed pregnancy could have risks to naturally miscarrying um, risks to there is there are risks to medically managing at home and the side effects. And then there are risks to the invasive route, the surgical route. So it was just just an awful, an awful couple of days to make that decision. But I ultimately decided to manage things medically at home. And so what that looked like was I had to schedule a follow-up appointment to get the medication. It's a combination of two medications um, that you take when you man- medically manage miscarriage. You take first a mifepristone pill in the in the doctor's office. Literally, you take it in front of your doctor, and that pill effectively ends your pregnancy. And it's kind of a weird thing to say because my pregnancy was already f- failed. But that was just the first pill that you take to make sure that there's no growth. And so maybe the gestational sac was still growing. Maybe the placenta was still growing. Who knows? But that was the first pill that makes the subsequent pills more effective at doing their job when you take the next set of pills 24 to 48 hours later. So the next set of pills are kind of the, (laughs) what I call like the big scary pills. So the next set of pills, which you take at home 24 to 48 hours after the first pill of mifepristone um, are two, two sets of misoprostol pills. And you put two in each cheek between your cheek and the gums. This medication is also used in uh, medically managed abortions that you do at home. So it's it's the same medication. It does the same thing. But in my case, this was to manage a miscarriage of, of a failed pregnancy. And so kind of preparing for that, I think there was a lot of anxiety for me as well because I had read about, you just read all the horror stories online. <laughs> and it's something that I'm very guilty of doing in every situation that has medical implications. <laughs> so was that healthy for me? Probably not. But I I think that's just how I manage, like knowing, knowing, knowing potential outcomes, despite the fact that they were not accurate, comparable to my situation. They just weren't. So I did a lot of doctor Googling in, in the 36 hours leading up. I chose to, I chose to manage my miscarriage at home and and we timed it so that my husband could watch the kids while I essentially was upstairs miscarrying for, um, all of, all of Sunday. So 
I picked up a couple things to manage through my miscarriage. And I apologize because a lot of this is is TMI and it's it's gonna it's gonna get a little TMI. I picked up a heating pad and I picked up pads and I and they also prescribed me really strong ibuprofen and anti-nausea medication because this some side effects of the misoprostol as well is um, is nausea. And I was like, yeah, just give me everything. <laughs> give me everything that I need to make to guarantee that I will be as least miserable as possible <laughs> during this process. There really is no telling how long the pills are going to take to, you know, kind of trigger your cervix opening and the process kind of taking its course. But they generally told me it's within the realm of like two to eight hours. And it ended up being on on the longer end for me. So I took the misoprostol really, really early in the morning because I wanted it to kind of just start doing its job. I popped an ibuprofen. I popped an anti-nausea. I got my heating pad ready. <laughs> I got my yellow jackets ready on the TV. I was just ready to, to kind of accept that this is happening and this is the only way to get my body back to its starting point to continue um, to, to continue my journey to continue my journey on on wanting um, wanting to grow our, our family and to to have another baby so I think I think what really disappointed me about this this miscarriage was that I like it was kind of thrown in my face that I was I was not expecting a very likable alternative to um, to what to what I expected to happen. Despite having three miscarriages before this one, I I, I kind of was under the impression that I had been through it all, and like I just kind of felt invincible. And that I had been through every type of miscarriage experience. It's just a very humbling reminder that no, I haven't. And no, I am not a superhero. And yes, I am fragile. And yes, I am vulnerable. And yes, that is okay. And it just like reminded me that there are so many different types of pregnancy loss and so many types that I can't fathom having to go through, but they are very possible. And um, that it's not my fault, even though there is like this weird shame that like is associated with all of all of this these feelings and this really kind of dark mental state, like you, you feel kind of ashamed of what, what is happening and feeling, feeling kind of responsible for, you know, housing something that just didn't work. So after taking the pills, uh, the pain, the pain wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. There were some moments where, I really felt kind of like it's a like a painful contraction, but it's it was definitely more moderate than severe. 
uh, and I, I hear that's because it, it gets more severe the further along you are. And I think the fact that I was like, just even though I was, I thought I was more like eight or nine weeks, my pregnancy stopped around the six week mark. And so I think that ultimately made the, the medication be more successful. I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any hemorrhaging. I didn't have any like massive clotting or, you know, there was obviously like you pass, you pass tissue and, and that's to be expected, but I didn't have any of the crazy side effects that I had read about, which was, you know, like shooting a fever or chills or shivering or I didn't, I didn't have much nausea and I hope I, I maybe the medication helped that or the, like the anti-nausea medication, but it all kind of went as expected. It, it kind of, it felt like what my, it felt like what my body naturally did during my second miscarriage. So that, I think that was kind of a relief that it, like no major horror story happened with, um, managing medically at home when when the Sunday was over I felt immense relief it's taken it's taken a few days for the for you know the miscarriage to fully take its course and I had a follow-up with my doctor and uh, she said that that's that's pretty normal like the bleeding in the miscarriage process can happen over the course of a week or two weeks um, but it should, things should be kind of pairing off and then, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of back to square one, you're, you're reset. And so I, I, I did feel at the end of that, at the, at the end of that Sunday, so last Sunday that I felt that like, oh, like that sense of relief that, okay, like the hard part, the hard part is mostly over like checking myself, like talking to Maurice about this and, you know, talking through my, my feelings. And, but I, I think the fact that it's just the physical piece of this miscarriage that was so new for me, the, the, the term is missed miscarriage. So that the fact that my body didn't recognize that I had a failed pregnancy is what they call a missed miscarriage. So there are a lot of different types of miscarriage. This is like a partial miscarriage, a threatened miscarriage, an incomplete miscarriage. So th this was a missed miscarriage, which I think is a uh, a really interesting name. <laughs> so, and, and like this type of miscarriage, I think is what threw me for a loop and what really, what really made it confusing and unfair and all of, all of it. All the ty all types of pregnancy loss is unfair, but I think me under the assumption that I had done it all already made made this a bit harder than I expected it to be. So I am doing much better. <laughs> I don't want this to come across as like I am in this really bad depressive state. I think I think I am I'm feeling more relief. I'm feeling like I'm I get a second chance to kind of do it again. I don't know when that's going to be. I I that was another follow-up question that I had for my doctor is how soon can we try again? How soon is my body going to be ready? Is it unhealthy if we try again? If we decide to try again ASAP, is that unhealthy? You know, is that going to only let, like trigger another miscarriage to happen? And so like I think I'm I think I am uh 
trying to recognize when I'm being a bit more self-deprecating than I want to. I want to be in a healthy state of mind and a healthy physical state before we start trying again. Um, and not just to kind of like prove, (laughs) prove that I can do it. Like, I don't want that. Like I want, I want to, I want to be able to grow my family for the same reasons that we wanted, that we wanted to back in January and we still do, but I don't want the, this miscarriage to be like the motivating factor for wanting to try again so soon. So I don't know what the right time is going to be for us to try again, but the, my, the doctor's response to my question was, you know, there's, there's new data that suggests that it really doesn't matter how long you wait, while some doctors would say three to six cycles. And she generally disagreed with that and said that's there. It really makes no difference how long you wait. Like you're going to ovulate after your miscarriage is done and you're going to start a new cycle. So she didn't really give me an answer. Uh, she said it's it's really up to up to us. And when we feel like it, we're ready and we feel healed, when I feel healed emotionally and 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 physically, of course, so I don't know I don't know what our what our plan is at this point but it has been a really exhausting last few weeks. I am so glad that it is mostly at the tail end of everything. I am going to use this time less as a here's <laughs> here's my advice to managing pregnancy loss and fertility issues. No, this is a I am here kind of on my knees, like asking for God to comfort me and and hold me and remind me that none of this is in my timing. It is all in his right timing. And it's been a really hard thing to remind myself because I get angry at God in these moments and I turn away from him and I I try my best to understand that he is here to comfort me in these really tough moments where I feel like a failure. So it's been tough spiritually to manage through this as well. But I really just hope that hearing hearing this experience in the moment that it's happening and knowing that all women, all women, all, all hopeful mothers, all grieving mothers have every kind of experience that you are probably going through too. And you have someone to share that with. I feel really compelled and I want to be that you know that sister that you have if you need someone to draw experience from and know that it's not a perfect journey and we we feel drawn and desired to be mothers to be parents and this shit is not fair sometimes right there's a lot of guilt that I feel too, you know, at the same time, because I I know a lot of women and really close friends that have 
that are going through really unfair, way more unfair issues with fertility and trying to conceive and IVF. And it's like those are experiences that I may never know. And the fact that they're willing to share those with me make you know make me feel that I'm I'm not alone in um, in my own experiences. So yeah, there there is there is a level of guilt here as well in in kind of being upfront with with this um, with this pregnancy loss, especially since I I I have two beautiful kids that um, are the result of very healthy pregnancies that I've been able to carry. Um, carry through uh, to delivery but you know there's 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 also like I've I have got to remind myself and I've been reminded by you know my sisters and um, my really close friends that your experience your loss your pain is you know no less valid than others and so if you are experiencing a similar type of guilt or feeling like you're not enough, um, yes, you are. And yes, I am. And anyway, <laughs> gosh, this is going to be a really <laughs> interesting episode to listen to. And I'm so sorry. Gosh, I really, <laughs> I don't know who's going to end up listening to this, but I hope that my experience with my force with my fourth pregnancy loss has been helpful for you. If you have been through a similar experience or are going through one or you're, you know, thinking about trying to conceive or, or you want to become pregnant and I I hope that this is helpful or um, in service in some kind of way. I know I'm going to be okay. <laughs> I am going to be fine. I, I'm i also trying to take responsibility for getting myself back in a really good spot mentally. I it's, It is so easy for me to kind of fall into bad habits. So not waking up early, not eating correctly, not going for a walk, not not grounding myself, not getting sunshine. Like those are all things that are very doable and controllable in that I can do every day within my own control. And so those are things that I just, I need to be on top of myself with. And I know that those, those are only going to accelerate me feeling back to hundred percent back to being ready to, you know, start trying to grow our family again. So I'm getting there. It's one day at a time. And I just want to thank you for listening and for making a space for these types of experiences. This is not something that is easy for any woman to share. And I've, I admire everyone that has been sending messages and kind words and have even shared their own experiences or even said that they've been through something similar because it 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 just gives me it just gives me so much support it gives other women so much support so thank you so much for the kind words the support the love the light i really really appreciate it but 
anywho i am steadily getting back onto the socials regularly i've got some good filming going this week with some recipes and some vlogs that i want to share so it's been it's been nice getting myself back into the routine so this next week we are going to be kicking off our giveaway. I know it's been kind of slow rolling, understandably, but we are nearing the 1000 follower mark. It has been I, it has been crawling. I feel like it's been intentionally crawling with the Instagram followers. But once we hit that 1000 follower mark, I'm going to be announcing the Mama To Be Honest 1000 follower giveaway. And we've, we have a really great collection of gifts that we're going to be giving away as part of that giveaway. So if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, I've been dropping little giveaway hints, little giveaway words at the end of each episode that you can use for entry, more entry codes in the giveaway when we kick that off. So I'm going to be doing that for this episode as well. So if you got the other two codes, wonderful. But the secret giveaway word for this week is light, L-I-G-H-T, light. So keep that one along with your other two that you've listened to from episode 10 and 9. And once that giveaway kicks off, you will have some extra entries for our 1K giveaway. I want to thank you so much for listening in this week and for bearing with me as we kind of go through a tough couple of weeks. Thank you so much for everyone who reached out and um, shared such kind words. It really, it really means more to me than you know. Thank you for your prayers, your kindness, and just to all of my um, friends and sisters and um, folks that have just supported my content and, and all of all of the stuff that, that we've got going. So thank you so much. I've gotten a lot of really great podcast episode recommendation recommendations from uh, from you guys. But if you have anything that's on your mind or you want to chat through, um, just send me a quick message. If you've got any ideas for topics or an AMA, just let me know and we will we will get that running. So thank you. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye.